Well, good morning again. Hope everyone's doing well. Again, happy new year, uh, 2024. I cannot believe it's already 2020. We've been here for two years already. Time has flown by. My family and I have been in Delaware two years. Uh, crazy. Um, and <clears throat> like, I, uh, like the, the video said, we are starting a new series today called Heart for the House. Um, and uh, I said this to the, the, uh, the, um, the volunteer team uh, when we prayed before service, like, you may have heard Heart for the House before. This isn't new. Well, the, the series Heart for the House isn't new. The focus is new. And this year for 2024, I just feel very strongly that the focus is, like, God put this on, on my heart that the focus needs to be discipleship. Discipleship being growing in our relationship with the Lord, not... Uh, and, and we'll get into what that means, but um, discipleship, growing in your relationship with the Lord. And today, the title of my message is, This Then is How You Should Pray. Um, before I dive into the scriptures, though, uh, I wanted to share uh, a little, uh, I guess, a little part of my life. So, um, if you don't know, I'm a huge college football fan. Huge college, Yeah. I know that's surprising, Vicky, but huge college football fan. And actually, the national championship game is two, uh, tomorrow night. And um, I'm like super excited about it. My team's not even in it. Not, didn't even sniff it, but I'm excited about it. Uh, because the national championship is like the Super Bowl for college football. And so um, it's, it's interesting. Um, Last week, uh, I, so I listened to like sports talk radio a lot, and last week I heard a college football coach talk about what it takes to be a championship football player in college. And um, he talked about uh, weight training. He talked about like lifting weights like, and, and how his, his players would lift weights six days a week, probably two times a day, six days a week. And so hours upon hours upon hours in the weight room, right? And then he talked about how um, they would spend dozens and dozens of hours every week practicing, going over the plays and all that stuff. And then they would spend hours upon hours in film study, in dark rooms, in front of a screen, watching uh, tape of other football teams over and over and over. But then he started talking about, like, nutrition, and he started talking about the types of food that they would feed their players to uh, f help their bodies be finely tuned. And he started talking about the, uh, right, getting uh, the right amount of sleep that they gave all their players a curfew. And their players had to be in bed at a certain time to optimize their physical performance, their physical and mental performance. And after hearing all this, I started thinking about my experience playing football and my preparation for it, right? Because like hearing that, I'm like, man, it takes a lot to be prepared, like a, a, to, to prepare to be a champion, right? It takes a lot. So I started thinking about my own experience playing football uh, and my, my preparation for it or lack thereof. Um, thinking back to like I did the weight training thing, right? Six days a week I was lifting weights. I did the um, practice thing, you know, like three and a half hours a day, four days a week in season. And then like 10 to, 20, 10 to 20 hours a week out, out of season, like did the practice thing. But then I started thinking like, okay, the film study thing, like I maybe would do an hour, hour a week film study. I didn't prepare myself mentally for it. I think about the nutrition. When it came to nutrition, I ate junk. 
right? I didn't eat any, anything that would finely tune me. You know, my, my coach used to tell me, eat lean meat and plenty of vegetables. What did my diet consist of? Fast food, fried food, fried fast food, pizza, hamburgers, fries, you know, fry, you know, fried chicken, potato chips, candy. Like I ate junk. I did not prepare myself. Yes, ice cream. I loved ice cream. Did not prepare my health to be the best athlete I could be. When it came to sleep, I got as little sleep as I could to still function technically the next day, right? Um, like I was a night owl. I still am. No matter what time I have to be up in the morning, I stay up pretty late. Um, my wife doesn't understand it. I don't either, but it's just who I am. Um, as an athlete, my coach used to always tell me, like, get eight to ten hours of sleep every night. I was lucky if I got four to five. Like, I did not prepare myself, my health, I did not prepare myself mentally as well as I could to be the best athlete I wanted or I could be, right? I, I needed to be prepared in every area. I need to work really hard in every area to be the best, but I didn't do it. I didn't do what was necessary. What about you? Are there things in your life you feel this way about? Are there things in, in your life that, that you think like maybe you're not, you're not putting in as much effort as maybe you should, or you're not preparing the way you know you should? Like things may have been different for you if you took it more seriously, if you maybe like prepared a little bit differently. Maybe you feel like that, like about marriage. Like this marriage thing is just a lot more important than I realized. And, and man, if I would have just made this decision when I was younger, it would, everything would be different. Or man, if I would have just, if I would have married the, the different person, maybe everything would be different. Like we have those thoughts sometimes. Those are, those are real things that we, we wrestle with. Maybe, maybe you're not as prepared as you'd like to be financially, and maybe like you can just never seem to quite save enough, or you can never seem to quite get out from underneath that. To every time you feel like, man, I'm going to get this right, I'm going to make this right, something comes up, and it just, it just depletes you financially. Or you think, man, if I could have just made a couple different decisions here, if I could have just you know, got this job there, man, everything would have been different. I would have been prepared for you know, the things that came. Everything would have been different. It's possible you feel this way in your relationship with God. It's possible you feel this way with God. No matter what you do, you just never really feel like you cut it. You just never really feel like you're, you're hitting the mark. You never feel good enough. Maybe you never feel put together enough. Maybe you don't feel prepared or equipped for, your, for a relationship with God. In Luke chapter 12, verse 35, uh, it's not going to be up on the screen, uh, but Jesus said this in Luke 12, 35, he said, be ready for service and have your lamp lit. Be ready for service and have your lamp lit. Be ready. Be ready. And then a few verses later, he says this in Luke 12, 47, it says, and that servant who knew his master's will and didn't prepare will be severely punished. The servant who knew his master's will and didn't prepare will be severely punished. Be ready. Be prepared. Are you ready? Are you ready to do the will of the Father? Are you prepared to do the will of the Father? I would guess that most Christians would say that they, they aren't. If I could give a truth serum to all Christians and then ask them that question, are you ready to do the, the will of the Father? I think, I suspect most would say, nope, I'm not ready. Be ready to do the Father's will. How do we get ready? How do we get ready? 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says this, The one who says he remains in him 
should walk just as he walked. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. How do we get ready? Be like Jesus. Become more and more like Jesus. That's how we get ready. This is, how, this is, this is called discipleship. Being ready, becoming more like Jesus, this is called discipleship. This is, this is what it means to, to, to walk as he walked, become more like him, be a student of him, learn how to be like him. And we accomplish this through prayer. We accomplish this through worship. We accomplish this through knowing the word, hiding the word in our heart. And that's what our focus is going to be this year. I feel, like I said, I feel very strongly this is what the Lord is leading us to focus on this year is, is becoming more like Christ, becoming more like Jesus. And that starts with prayer. It starts with worship. It starts with the word, discipleship. Today, again, the title of my message is This Then is How You Should Pray. And we're going to examine the model of prayer that Jesus gave us. But first, before I dive into the scriptures, pray with me this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for a, a brand new year. And we thank you, God, that you are, are leading us. You're leading us um, into everything, every, everything you have for us, every promise, God, that you've laid out. You're leading us to that. Thank you. Thank you that you're trustworthy. God, I pray today that you would open our hearts to receive your word. And God, open our hearts to that James chapter 4, verse 8, uh, verse where it says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Let that be the cry of our hearts this year. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, you can open them up or turn them on to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Now, uh, before I dive into the scriptures, I want to give you a little bit of context. Whenever I preach, I preach from there and then. I say that almost every week. Uh, that means if we're going to understand how the Bible applies to our lives here and now, we first have to understand what was going on there and then. To understand the words of the Bible, I believe we have to understand the world of the Bible. And so, um, this, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is what is called the Sermon on the Mount. And this is Jesus' first recorded sermon. And it is one of the most famous uh, in, in Scripture, the Sermon on the Mount. And, and in this uh, portion of Scripture, he covers a gamut of topics, like money, the kingdom of God. He talks about uh, divorce, and he talks about murder and adultery and revenge and and in this portion of scripture, this Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, he's talking to a very specific audience. He's talking to people who fear and follow God only. He's not talking to anybody else. He's not talking to pagans. He's not talking to people maybe possibly exploring Christ or like people who are like trying to dip their toe in saying, is this what I want? Uh, people who fear and follow God. This is his audience. He's talking to people who are interested in growing in relationship with God. And right in the middle of this sermon about all sorts of topics, he brings up a topic that his audience would have been really, really familiar with. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, 
Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So this is the beginning of a lesson on prayer, and I immediately I feel compelled to make an observation that's really important. Jesus starts out, he says, when you pray, when you pray, when, not if, not if you pray, not it like maybe you think about praying sometime or like maybe when you get around to it, when you pray, so right away, Jesus is making an assumption that prayer is a normal, regular part of every single believer's daily life. When you pray. Do you pray every day? And I'm not talking like, I'm not talking like you pray for your meals, you know, God bless our food, thank you for providing, like that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, though that's bad, that's not bad, right? That's good. I'm not talking about saying prayers with your kids, though that's not bad either. I'm, I'm talking like, do you get away, do you create, do you make room to have a conversation with the Lord every single day? If the answer is no, no shame, no guilt, no, no um, judgment here, right? But prayer is an assumed part of a believer's life. And if we're not consistently praying, we're missing out on a huge component of our relationship with him. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to be seen by others. In other words, he's saying, don't show off that you pray. It's not for anybody else. Don't don't show off. Don't brag about it. Don't brag about it because the recognition you get from other people, that's going to be your, your reward. If you want the real, real reward, say that 10 times fast, right? If you want the real reward, go in private. Go to your room. Close the door. Get with me privately. Like pray where no one can see you. Don't be like the pagans. Just you and God. And then he says, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. The, the common thought in this day was like if you used the biggest, most eloquent words you could, that your gods would then hear you better, right? There was, um, there was an idea like if you said the exact right thing, then you could control the gods. That was, a, um, that was, a, uh, that was like a, a mindset, a worldview in that part of the, the, the world. That it, like, it's called incantation, getting real nerdy now. If you said the right things, then you could control the gods and you could make them do whatever you want. And, and Jesus is saying, like, no, you don't have to do that. First of all, I don't operate that way. And God already knows what you need anyway. So you don't have to, you don't have to keep rambling on. You don't have to keep going on and on about what you need. He already, he already knows. So, Pastor Ryan, if God already knows, why do I need to ask him? Because that's where your faith is built. That's, that's where your faith comes alive. That's where a relationship is developed. If God gave you everything you needed without you asking, you would have no reason to trust him. If God gave you everything you needed before, before you even asked him, like, you would just think, like, this is just how it is. I, why do I need to trust God? I get everything I need anyway, right? But, like, having to go to him, having to 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 ask him, it, it, 
it develops that trust. It develops a, a, a faith that we couldn't otherwise have. And then Jesus gives us the model of prayer, verse nine. This then is how you should pray. And if you know it, say it with me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this is the famous prayer in scripture that even non-Christians know, right? I learned that this is the first prayer I learned when I was a young boy growing up in Catholic school. Um, the, we, I always called it the Our, Our Father, you know. I, it's, I think mo, it's mostly known as the Lord's Prayer, but I always called it the Our Father. Um, and remember, Jesus says like, remember what Jesus said. He says, when you pray, don't, don't like brag about it. Go do it in private and, and don't ramble on. Like just cl- clearly, plainly state what you need from God. This is how you should pray. Now, uh, a common misconception, I think, is that Jesus is telling us, the, the, the misconception is that Jesus is telling us, pray this exact prayer. Say these exact words exactly like this. Well, to me, that goes back to that incantation thing. If we say the exact right words the exact right way, then God has to act on our behalf. I, I don't think that's what's going on here. Um, when, when I was in Catholic school as a boy, I would go to confession, and um, the priest at the end would always say, like, you know, to absolve you of your sin, like, say, say this many Our Fathers and this many Hail Marys, and you'll be good, like penance, right? Um, and there are many people who believe that Jesus is prescribing these exact words. This is the way to pray, this right here. But I will point out that Jesus very clearly Jesus very clearly in verse 9, he didn't say, this is what you should pray. He didn't say, these are the words you should pray. He said, this is how to pray. There's a difference in my opinion. He didn't say, this is what you should pray. This is how to pray. Jesus laid out a bunch of principles for us to take and apply to our our daily prayer lives. And that's what I want to look at today. I want to look at and identify each principle and briefly discuss So the first principle that Jesus gave us about prayer is acknowledge who you're talking to. Acknowledge who you're talking to. Matthew chapter six, verse nine, it says, our father in heaven. The very first thing Jesus does in in his example of prayers, he identifies and acknowledges exactly who he's talking to. Our father in heaven. He is our good father. He's our good father who loves us and he wants an intimate relationship with us. He wants to be close to us. He wants to know us more and more. Beginning prayer by, by calling him Father and, and praising him na- his, his name brings us into his presence in the right way with intimacy and relationship. You aren't just praying to a, a distant, powerful king. You're, you're praying to your heavenly Father. You're praying to the loving, tender God of your heart who, who knows you fully and loves you completely, that's who you're talking to. You're not talking to some faraway deity who 
who's waiting for you to mess up. Like, God knows you. He loves you. He wants you to be close to him. The words we choose have power. Don't be timid or afraid to get personal, to get to, to get close and recognize him as your father. So that's the first principle. We're gonna, we're gonna go through these pretty quick. First principle is, is acknowledge who you're talking to. Next principle of prayer that Jesus identifies is this. Articulate your reverence. Articulate your reverence. Matthew chapter six, verse nine. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed means revered or respected. Hallowed be your name. Not only is he our, our father and we his children, but he's the God of the universe He is the creator of everything we see. He's the Lord of lords. He is the king of kings. And he is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our awe. He's worthy of our respect and reverence. It's it's an interesting contrast um, because he's our father who wants to be close. He he wants us to be near to him, but he's also the living God who, who deserves to be feared, right? Fear of the Lord is all through scripture. He's God who wants to be, he's our father who wants to be close, but he's God who, who, need, who deserves to be feared. It's, like I said, it's an interesting contrast. He deserves our respect and reverence. He deserves our awe. I heard someone say once that true intimacy with God is a balance between friendship with God and standing in awe of him. True intimacy with God is the balance between friendship with God and standing in awe of him. You want to be close to God? Learn that balance. Learn how to, learn how to see him as father, but learn how to stand in awe of him at the same time. And you'll be closer than you ever, than, than ever before. So first, acknowledge who you're talking to. Second, articulate your reverence. The next principle Jesus teaches us is this. Align yourself with God's will. When you pray, align yourself with God's will. And, and just really quickly, these are, these are things that we can take and directly apply to our lives today. You can take these things that I'm going through and, and you could use them today to, to, um, to pray. Align yourself with God's will. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The ultimate goal of prayer is not to convince God of our heart but to align our heart with his. The ultimate goal of prayer is not to get God to submit to us. The ultimate goal of prayer is for us to submit to him. Praying God's will to be done in our situation puts his agenda before ours. And if I'm being honest, I put my agenda before his all the time. God forgive me. But that's what prayer is about. Prayer is about putting his agenda before ours. This is the, the mark of a truly surrendered heart. Now, we can pray for specific things, right? We can pray for the desires that we have and, and that kind of thing. But ultimately, like our main desire should be for God's will to prevail, for God's will to be done, not ours. Even if his will is the opposite of our desire, align yourself with God's will. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. Again, this isn't going to be up on the the screen. Um, This is Jesus. He's getting ready to be betrayed, and he's getting ready to be beaten and crucified and killed. Um, he's, He's praying in a garden, and this is what he says. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. He went on a little, little further, 
uh, bowed his face to the ground praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus knows what's coming his way. He's about to be beaten and killed. And he said, God, if there's any way, he's praying, God, if there's any way that I don't have to go through this, I want that. But it doesn't matter what I want. God, whatever you want, I put your will before my own. Not my will, your will. Even Jesus showed us what it looks like in a real life context. Not my will, but your will be done. Um, Robin and I have a, a close friend. Um, he's, he's my pastor. Like I um, got saved in his church, and he's one of the men that, who discipled me. His name's Gary. And uh, Gary was paralyzed in a car accident 23 years ago um, from the armpits down. And um, I can remember, I mean, to this day, still, t- for, for 23 years, Gary has had hundreds and hundreds of people praying for his, the healing of his body. God, God, you can restore Gary. You can heal him. Like, let him walk again. Like, hundreds of people praying this on, on a daily basis. And he hasn't been healed yet. And not once have I ever heard him complain or question God. It's always God whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever is going to bring you more glory, God. I want your will to be done, not mine. Align yourself with God's will. The next principle Jesus teaches us about prayer is this, ask him to meet your needs. Ask him to meet your needs. Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. This can be difficult for a lot of us especially in this individualistic, pull yourself up by the bootstraps culture we live in, right? Like, we learn from a young age how to be self-sufficient, and self-sufficiency equals competency, right? Like, if you can't be self-sufficient, then you can't, you're not trustworthy as a person, you know, that kind of thing. Self-sufficiency is defined like this. The quality of feeling secure and content with oneself a deep-rooted sense of inner completeness and stability. According to this definition, self-sufficiency is the opposite of what God wants for us. God doesn't want us to be complete on our own. We can't be complete on our own. God doesn't want us being content with where we're at. He wants us to to be dependent on him. That's that's what he wants from us. He wants us to be completely dependent on him for everything. And, and when we ask him to meet our needs, it's the beginning of learning that dependence on him. What's your need? Do you need a financial miracle? Do you need healing in your body? Do you need restoration in your family? Ask God. Tell him what you need. Learn to be dependent on him. Now, I'm not saying... We have no responsibilities now. I'm not saying, like, be irresponsible with your money and don't worry about how you treat people. That's not what I'm saying. Like, there's still wisdom. God gave us wisdom how to, how to deal with things in our life. But what I am saying is, like, we're not alone. Instead of grinding to make these things happen on our own, like, just, just trying, to, trying to make everything happen all ourselves, we can rely on. We can depend on, we can lean on the source of all things. 
Ask him for what you need. Acknowledge who you're talking to. Articulate your reverence. Align with God's will. Ask him to meet your needs. The next principle Jesus teaches us about prayer is accept his forgiveness. Accept his forgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is vitally important to our relationship with God, but I think it's largely forgotten about a lot. I think, I think people forget it, about it a lot. We need to regularly ask God to search our hearts and reveal our sin to us. And we, we need to regularly be confessing that sin to God and ask for his forgiveness. Now, prayer is about cultivating relationship with Jesus. And, and in any relationship, part of intimacy is, is humility. It's openness. It's, it's being teachable. Humble, open, teachable hearts like apologize when they're wrong. This is something that I've had to learn a lot when I had to sit my kids down, when I had to sit my wife down, when I had to sit any of my family or friends down and, and look them in the eyes and say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I should have done this. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done this. I, like humble, open, teachable hearts apologize when they're wrong. It's the same thing with God. When we, when we sin against him, when we don't do what we're supposed to do, what, what he's asking us to do, what he's calling us to do, we go to him. We, we admit it. God, I'm sorry. I was wrong. And then we accept that forgiveness. We, we receive it. I think this, the forgiveness that, that he's talking about isn't, isn't forgiveness like, like I sinned, so now I'm out of the family of God. And I ask for forgiveness to be brought back into the family of God. Like that's not, that's not, kind of, that's not how it works. Um, like sin doesn't put you out of the family of God. Like if, if my son was to walk up here right now and punch me in the face as hard as he could, he's not out of my family, right? Like he's still my son. I still love him. If, if my son was to steal money from my wallet, I'm not going to disown him. He's still in my family. I still love him. But our relationship's damaged. There needs to be repair there. That's what, that's the forgiveness I think he's talking about. Like when there's, when there's an issue, like we, we need to make it right. So every time you pray, like let's be making it right. Let's, let's be, let's, accept forgiveness. And then he also says, like, if we're going to accept the forgiveness that God extends, that we need to be willing to extend that forgiveness to other people. Really quick, let me put my pastor hat on. Um, if you're a Christ follower and you have unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody, you need to take care of that today. That's, that's, that's hard, but that's real. Like, if God, if we're going to receive the forgiveness that God extends to us, we have to extend forgiveness to others. We have to. The sixth and final principle of, of prayer that Jesus teaches us is this. Adhere to his guidance and protection. Verse 13 in Matthew 6, it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Though God allows us to be tempted. He allows us to go through temptation. He allows us to be tested. He is not the tempter. That is not his character. It's not who he is. It's not who he will ever be. A lot of times we lead ourselves into those situations. A lot of times we lead ourselves into temptation. Whatever temptation is for you, a lot of times we take ourselves there. And here Jesus is showing us how to pray against that, how to, how to 
how to protect ourselves from us. He's teaching us how to protect us from ourselves, adhering to God's guidance and protection. This, this part of, of prayer is important because our flesh is weak against temptation. Our, our spirit may be strong, our will might be strong, but our flesh is weak. Our flesh is weak and like we can withstand and overcome anything through the power of God, right? But it's, it's like better to have never been in that position to begin with, right? <laughs> like I can overcome addiction through the power of the Holy Spirit, but it would be way better for me if I would never be addicted in the first place, <laughs> you know? Like, like steer clear of temptation from the beginning, and, side note, we should also pray that we don't cause other people to fall into temptation. That we, we, don't, we don't bring anyone else to where they're sinning against God. And then pray also for protection and safety. Is We have a real enemy whose only job is to try to separate us from God. You and I have an enemy of our soul who's trying to steal, he's trying to kill, and he's trying to destroy every moment of every day. And we can't, we can't protect ourselves from that. We need help. Jesus says, pray for deliverance from evil. Worship team, you can come back to the platform. Acknowledge who you're talking to. Articulate your reverence. Align yourself with God's will. Ask him to meet your needs, accept his forgiveness, adhere to his guidance and protection. I did the cheesy pastor thing and all my notes started with A. Um, I don't think I've ever done that before, so forgive me. Um, I want to share a story real quick that I read that I was like, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a good picture to end with. Once there was a rich man who had a son to whom he promised an annual allowance Every year on the same day, he would give his son the entire amount. After a while, it happened that the only time the father saw his son was on the day of allowance. So the father changed his plan and only gave the son enough for the day. Then the next day, the son would return. From then on, the father saw his son every day. This is the way Israel dealt, or this is the way God dealt with Israel. And this is the way that God deals with us. He's gonna give you what you need for today because he wants to see you tomorrow and the next day and the day after. He wants a daily personal relationship with you. He wants to know you more. He wants to hear from you more. He wants all of you. Psalm chapter 142 verse three, uh, one through three says this. To me, this is like, epitome of, of prayer, right? I cry out to the Lord, acknowledge who he's talking to. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and I tell him all my troubles. When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Pastor Ryan, what does it look like for us to pray every day? What, is it, what does it look like for me to, to get away, to get by myself and just pray? What does it look like? Well, it's going to look different for everybody, but I just want to share with you really quickly. Um, this is difficult for me because this is very 
personal. It's very private. It's not going to be private anymore because I'm going to share it. This is my prayer journal. This is my personal prayer journal. Um, and I just want to read parts of it to you just to kind of show you what it looks like for me. And maybe you can take it and you can do with it what you want. Um, but this is, this is what prayer, daily prayer looks like for me. It's like writing a letter for me. It says, Yahweh, I love you. Yahweh is how God, what God calls himself in, in Exodus 6. God says, I'm Yahweh. Tell, tell Israel I'm Yahweh. So that's, that's what I call him. Yahweh, I love you. I want to know you more. I want to trust you more. But that is very difficult for me. Teach me how to surrender more and more to you. Teach me how to be like you. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better man. And there's more on this page, but it's about specific people. I'm not going to share that with you. So, uh, Next, the next page. Yahweh, today I find myself unsatisfied with where I'm at with you. I want to know you so much more than I do. I want to be closer than I am right now. I want to love you better than I do right now. But you have to show me how to do that. And then again, more specific things about specific people, which I'm not going to share. But then I end like this. I need to be more like you. Please help me. What does prayer look like? It looks like having an honest conversation with the God of the universe who already knows you. He already knows you. He already knows what you struggle with. He already knows what you need. He already knows what you want. He just wants that relationship with you. It looks like opening yourself up to him and letting him know what's going on in your life. If we're going to be prepared to do the will of God, if we're going to become more and more like Jesus, like we have to take our discipleship seriously. We have to. We have to take our growth as Christ followers seriously if we're going to be ready. And that starts with prayer. It starts with worship. It starts with the word. It starts with learning how to pray and making prayer part of our daily lives. Acknowledge who you're talking to. Articulate your reverence. Align yourself with God's will. Ask him to meet your needs. Accept his forgiveness. Adhere to his guidance and protection. Let me pray for you this morning. God, we love you. We thank you. God, I've said it multiple times, hundreds, maybe thousands of times before, but I'll say it again and I'll keep saying it. I want to know you better. I want to be closer. Teach me how to be closer. God, and I pray for Anchor today. I pray that you would continue to draw us closer. Every single person in here today, God, every single person who's going to watch this online, God, that you would continue to draw them closer and closer. Continue to pull them into a more personal relationship with you. God, we have to learn how to pray because this is how we commune with you. Empower us, Holy Spirit. Help us. When, when we feel like we don't have the words, give us the words. When we feel like we don't know what to say, We love you, God. This is all for you.
be with us, God. Reveal yourself to us more and more. Help us to see parts of your character that we maybe never knew before. We love you, God. In Jesus' name. What we're going to do right now is we're just going to take a moment to respond. We're just going to take a moment to respond. And the worship team is going to lead us in a song. And um, I normally I normally encourage us to um, respond however we need to. But I really want to encourage you today, like, apply this right now. Apply this right now. Take time and just pray right now. It doesn't have to be out loud like for anybody to hear, right? Like don't like don't stand up and, you know, like brag about it, right? Like make it personal, make it private between you and him right now. But let's apply these principles right now. It's just gonna be a few minutes. Worship team's gonna lead us in a song and then I'll come up and close. But let's let's get with the Lord. Let's talk to him right now. Worship team, lead us. Praise God that he wants to be close to us. Praise God that he wants a relationship with us. Thank you. Thank you, Father. I pray, God, that um, that I wouldn't run anymore. When I can see it sometimes, you're trying to draw close, you're trying to get near, and I kind of keep you at arm's distance. God, I pray that I would let you in. I pray, God, that we would let you in fully. That there would be no barriers between us and you. Teach us, God, how to commune with you. Teach us what it looks like to have relationship. Before we're dismissed today, we have um, some next steps, next steps that I want to challenge you with today. And these next steps are just tangible things we can do to take the message and apply it to our life this week. So the first one is every day this week, I will meditate on Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And it goes through that, um, that the, the Lord's prayer. Um, and I want to, I want to, encourage you just meditate on it sit think about it mull over it let god speak to you through it the next one is this week i'll make time to pray every day i'll take those principles and apply them this week it doesn't have to be again it doesn't have to be anything elaborate it doesn't have to be this long drawn out thing just carve out a little bit of time five minutes to get with god and talk to him Maybe it's before you start your day. Maybe it's at the end of the day. You're, you're getting ready to go to bed. Whatever. Whatever works for you. Just carve out some time to talk to him. And then finally, this week, I'll invite someone to join me for week two of Heart for the House as we explore what it means to worship. Next week, that's what we're diving into. We're diving into worship and what it means and what it, what it looks like in our daily lives. And so... Um, I'm gonna say one more prayer and then we can be dismissed. Everyone stand with me if you would, please. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for a brand new year and that you have, you have good things for us. You have good things in store for us. I pray, God, that um, you would continue to lead us. And as you do that, that we would be sensitive to your leading. We would be sensitive to your voice and we would follow. Thank you, God. Finally, grace and peace be with you 
from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. Amen and amen. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for worshiping with us today. It's good to see everyone back. Have a great week.